0: Alawapa, friends. It is the 14th Day of Knowledge, the year 175 of the Badi calendar, October 29th, 2018. I'm going to read a passage today from Baha'i World Faith. I recently was given by my mother her copy, which she had gotten from a dear Baha'i homefront pioneer named Joan Lozier, who pioneered to Douglas, Arizona many many years ago she was originally from Chicago and she actually purchased this copy of Baha'i World Faith at the Baha'i Centennial in 1944 so it's a very um sacred book to me has a lot of um I don't know a lot of value anyway I wanted to read to you on pages 263 through 267 the um The title of this passage is, Spiritual Existence is Immortality, and it's written by Abdu'l-Bahá. According to divine philosophy, there are two important and universal conditions in the world of material phenomenon. One which concerns life, the other concerning death. One relative to existence, the other non-existence. One manifest in composition, the other in decomposition. Some define existence as the expression of reality or being and non-existence as non-being, imagining that death is annihilation. This is a mistaken idea, for total annihilation is an impossibility. At most, composition is ever subject to decomposition or disintegration. That is to say, Existence implies the grouping of material elements in a form or body, and non-existence is simply the decomposing of these groupings. This is the law of creation in its endless forms and infinite variety of expression. Certain elements have formed the composite creature man. This composite association of the elements in the form of a human body is therefore subject to disintegration, which we call death. But after disintegration, the elements themselves persist unchanged. Therefore, total annihilation is an impossibility, and existence can never become non-existence. This would be equivalent to saying that light can become darkness, which is manifestly untrue and impossible. As existence can never become non-existence, there is no death for man. Nay, rather, man is everlasting and ever-living. The rational proof of this as that the atoms of the material elements are transferable from one form of existence to another, from one degree and kingdom to another, lower or higher. For example, an atom of the soil or dust of earth may traverse the kingdoms from mineral to man by successive incorporations into the bodies of the organisms of those kingdoms. At one time it enters into the formation of the mineral or rock. It is then absorbed by the vegetable kingdom, and becomes a constituent of the body and fiber of a tree. Again it is appropriated by the animal, and at a still later period is found in the body of man. Throughout these degrees of its traversing the kingdoms from one form of phenomenal being to another, it retains its atomic existence and is never annihilated, nor regulated to non-existence. Non-existence, therefore, is an expression applied to change of form, But this transformation can never be rightly considered annihilation, for the elements of composition are ever present, and existent as we have seen in the journey of the atom through successive kingdoms unimpaired. Hence, there is no death; life is everlasting. So to speak, when the atom entered into the composition of the tree, it died to the mineral kingdom, and when consumed by the animal. It died to the vegetable kingdom, and so on, until its transference or transmutation into the kingdom of man. But throughout its traversing, it was subject to transformation and not annihilation. Death, therefore, is applicable to a change or transference from one degree or condition to another. In the mineral realm, there was a spirit of existence. In the world of plant life and organisms, it reappeared as the vegetative spirit. It attained the animal spirit and finally aspired to the human spirit. These are degrees and changes, but not obliteration, and this is a rational proof that man is everlasting, ever living. Therefore, death is only a relative term implying change. For example, we will say that this light before me, having reappeared in another incandescent lamp, has died in the one and lives in the other. This is not death in reality. The perfections of the mineral are translated into the vegetable and from thence into the animal, the virtues always attaining a plus or superlative degree in the upward change. In each kingdom, we find the same virtues manifesting themselves more fully, proving that the reality has been transferred from a lower to a higher form and kingdom of being. Therefore, non-existence is only relative and absolute non-existence inconceivable. This rose in my hand, will become disintegrated and its symmetry destroyed, but the elements of its composition remain changeless. Nothing affects their elemental integrity. They cannot become non existence They are simply transferred from one state to another. Through his ignorance, man fears death, but the death he shrinks from is imaginary and absolutely unreal. It is only human imagination. The bestowal and grace of God have quickened the realm of existence with life and being. For existence there is neither change nor transformation. Existence is ever-existence. It can never be translated into non-existence. It is gradation. A degree below a higher degree is considered as non-existence. This dust beneath our feet, as compared with our being, is non-existent. When the human body crumbles into dust... We can say it has become non-existence, therefore its dust in relation to living forms of human being is as non-existent, but in its own fear it is existence, it has its mineral being. Therefore it is well proved that absolute non-existence is impossible and is only relative. The purpose is this, that the everlasting bestowal of God, vouchsafed to man, is never subject to corruption. Inasmuch as he has endowed the phenomenal world with being, it is impossible for that world to become non-being, for it is the very genesis of God. It is the realm of origination. It is a creational and not a subjective world, and the bounty descending upon it is continuous and permanent. Therefore man, the highest creature of the phenomenal world, is endowed with that continuous bounty, bestowed by divine generosity without cessation. For instance, the rays of the sun are continuous. The heat of the sun emanates from it without cessation. No discontinuance of it is conceivable. Even so, the bestowal of God is descending upon the world of humanity, never ceasing, continuous, forever. If we we say that the bestowal of existence ceases or falters, it is equivalent to saying that the sun can exist with cessation of its effulgence. Is this possible? Therefore, the effulgence of existence are ever-present and continuous. The conception of annihilation is a factor in human degradation, a cause of human debasement and lowliness, a source of human fear and abjection. It has been conducive to the dispersion and weakening of human thought, whereas the realization of existence in continuity has appraised man to sublimity of ideals, established the foundations of human progress, and stimulated the development of heavenly virtues. Therefore it behooves man to abandon thoughts of non-existence and death, which is absolutely imaginary, and see himself ever-living, everlasting in the divine purpose of his creation. He must turn away from ideas which degrade the human soul, so that day by day and hour by hour he may advance upward and higher to spiritual perception of the continuity of the human reality." If he dwells upon the thought of non-existence, he will become utterly incompetent. With weakened willpower, his ambition for progress will be lessened, and the acquisition of human virtues will cease. Therefore, you must thank God that he has bestowed upon you the blessing of life and existence in the human kingdom. Strive diligently to acquire virtues befitting your degree and station. Be as lights of the world which cannot be hid, and which have no setting in horizons of darkness." ascend to the zenith of an existence which is never beclouded by the fears and forebodings of non-existence. When man is not endowed with inner perception, he is not informed of these important mysteries. The retina of outer vision, though sensitive and delicate, may nevertheless be a hindrance to the inner eye which alone can perceive. The bestowals of God, which are manifest in all phenomenal life, are sometimes hidden by intervening veils of mental and moral vision, mental and mortal vision, which render man spiritually blind and incapable. But when those scales are removed and the veils rent asunder, then the great signs of God will become visible, and he will witness the eternal light filling the world. The bestowals of God are all and always manifest. The promises of heaven are ever present. The favors of God are all surrounding, but should the conscious eye of the soul of man remain veiled and darkened, he will be led to deny these universal signs and remain deprived of these manifestations of divine bounty. Therefore we must endeavor with heart and soul in order that the veil covering the eye of inner vision may be removed, that we may behold the manifestations of the signs of God, discern his mysterious graces, and realize the material blessings as compared with spiritual bounties are as nothing. The spiritual blessings of God are greatest. When we were in the mineral kingdom, although endowed with certain gifts and powers, they were not to be compared with the blessings of the human kingdom. In the matrix of the mother we were the recipients of endowments and blessings of God. Yet these were as nothing compared to the powers and graces bestowed upon us after birth into this human world. Likewise, if we were born from the matrix of this physical and phenomenal environment into the freedom and loftiness of the life and vision spiritual, we shall consider this mortal existence and its blessings as worthless by comparison. In the spiritual world, the divine bestowals are infinite, for in that realm there is neither separation nor disintegration, which characterize the world of material existence." Spiritual existence is absolute immortality, completeness, and unchangeable being. Therefore, we must thank God that He has created for us both material blessings and spiritual bestowals. He has given us material gifts and spiritual graces, outer sight to view the lights of the sun, and inner vision by which we may perceive the glory of God. He has designed the outer ear to enjoy the melodies of sound, and the inner hearing wherewith we may hear the voice of our Creator. We must strive with energies of heart, soul, and mind to develop and manifest the perfections and virtues latent within the realities of the phenomenal world. For the human reality may be compared to a seed. If we sow the seed, a mighty tree appears from it. The virtues of the seed are revealed in the tree. It puts forth branches, leaves, blossoms, and produces fruits. All these virtues were hidden and potential in the seed, Through the blessings and bounty of cultivation, these virtues became apparent. Similarly, the merciful God, our Creator, has deposited within human realities certain virtues latent and potential. Through education and culture, these virtues deposited by the loving God will become apparent in the human reality, even as the unfoldment of the tree from from within the germinating seed. I'm going to read now from hidden words of of Baha'u'llah, from the Arabic. Um, Number 16. O Son of Light, forget all save me and commune with my spirit. This is of the essence of my command. Therefore, turn unto it. And today I'm going to close with a prayer for healing. O God, my God, I beg of thee, by the ocean of thy healing, and by the splendors of the day-star of thy grace, and by thy name through which thou didst subdue thy servants, and by the pervasive power of thy most exalted word, and the potency of thy most august pen, and by thy mercy that has preceded the creation of all who are in heaven and on earth, to purge me with the waters of thy bounty from every affliction and disorder. And from all weakness and feebleness. Thou seest, O oh my Lord, thy suppliant waiting at the door of thy bounty, and him who has set his hopes on thee, clinging to the cord of thy generosity. Deny him not, I beseech thee, the things he seeketh from the ocean of thy grace and the day star of thy loving kindness. Powerful art thou to do what pleaseth thee. There is none other God save thee, the ever forgiving, the most generous. Baha'u'llah. That was from the Baha'i Prayer Book, pages 93 and 94. So thank you for uh, joining me today at Scattering Angels. I know it was a fairly sparse week last week, but um, I had some things that I needed to do and I, I neglected to take the time to, to do this. So I apologize for that. And I will hopefully see you here on Wednesday. Have a great day. And thank you.